Calvary Church is located in beautiful Peterborough, Ontario, and is committed to impacting that community with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Each week, one of our preaching team draw powerful life application truths from the Bible. Check us out here or online at calvaryptbo.church. Every morning I get an email highlighting events that, uh, that have happened this day in Christian history. I actually enjoy getting these emails because it's amazing for me to read story after story after story of how God was filling someone with his spirit for the purpose of helping the church move forward, changing the direction, edifying in some way the church. See, I long for God to fill us here with his spirit for the purpose of moving us forward as a church, moving us in, a, in the direction that's going to make significant impact in our community. You know, in week number one of this series that we're, call, we're calling it Do It Again, I challenged you to wait on God. I challenged you to pray. I challenged even some of you to join me in fasting a meal or two a week for the purpose of, of being empowered by God. See, I long for Calvary to be effectively reaching our community with the hope that we have in Christ. So yes, we needed to have this Uncovered series that we did a few weeks back, this series that, uh, that helped us learn how to share our faith. Yeah, we needed that. But we also need this series to help us understand that we don't do this alone. God has a part to play in this journey. And he wants to work alongside us. Many have been empowered by the Spirit of God in the past. And he longs to empower us again. And so we say, God, do it again. Do it again in us. Last week, week number two of this three-week series, we looked at some of the supernatural gifts that God gives the church for the purpose of helping people along in their faith. And so what's, what's God's part to do? Well, he can do the supernatural in different situations in our life. We pray for that. I pray for that regularly. God, do something. Do something supernatural in my life, in the life of those around me. But like I said last week, the list in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is not an exhaustive list of the gifts that God gives us, but it focuses more on the supernatural gifts God gives to us at times, all for the purpose of edifying his church, whether to, ma to mature those who are already in the church or maybe it's just helping those come to a faith in God. Regardless, it's edifying the church. That's the point of why he gives us these gifts. In the New Testament, there are a number of lists that, of gifts that are represented. Some crisscross from list to list, but many don't. And so let me just give you a smattering of the list that we have. There's, uh, there's gifts like prophecy and serving and teaching. Gifts like being an apostle, contributing to others, leadership, showing mercy, encouraging others, being single. Yeah, that's a gift. Speaking in tongues, interpreting tongues, wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, distinguishing between spirits, helping others, administration, evangelism, being a pastor, public speaking, skills and knowledge and crafts, and the list goes on. Again, that's not an exhaustive list, but it's a number of things that, that Scripture highlight that God gives us as gifts. Some of these gifts are very much the supernatural, like healings or miracles, 
And we talked, like I said, we talked about them last week. But many of these gifts are what we would recognize as natural abilities that God gives to people. Take, for instance, in Exodus chapter 31. Moses records God saying to him regarding a man named Bezalel, I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. Skills specifically to make artistic designs. He continues on to say he gave others these hands-on artistic skills as well. In other words, some people have coordination with their hands, whether they be carpenters, whether they be painters, whether they be artists of some sort, or maybe even athletes. These are skills given to us by God. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11 says, some of us have the gift of speaking or communication. Public speaking is a gift from God. Service is also listed there. You see, some gifts given to us by God are to be nurtured. They're to be honed and used willingly for honoring Christ with our lives. That's why he gives us these gifts. Just before this, Peter, the author of this letter in 1 Peter, says each of you should use whatever gift you have received for this purpose, to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. God extends this gift to you so that you will use it to serve other people. God, by his grace, gives you these things. And you're to steward them. In other words, you are responsible to use these gifts as he desires, and in the way that he asks. Peter says that we are to use them so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. God gives each of us gifts to be used, so that in us using these gifts, we point people's attention back to Jesus. That's the point of why God blesses you with gifts. He wants you to serve others. He wants you to steward them well, serve others, so that you point people back to Jesus. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where we were last week, because I, thought, I like what Paul says. The writer of this letter to the church in Corinth helps us understand a key principle when it comes to the gifts that God gives us. So I would encourage you, pick up, if you have your Bible, flip through, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, or follow along on your tablet or smartphone, or you can follow along on the screen as well. We're going to pick up chapter 12 in, uh, at verse 11. So we read the first, uh, well, we actually read the first 11 verses last week, which kind of talk about the supernatural gifts that God gives the church. And he, and he says, he wraps up that area, or that section, by saying in verse 11, all these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and he distributes to each one just as he determines. And then he goes on to say this, just as a body, the one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. In other words, it doesn't matter your nationality. It doesn't matter where you see yourself on the socioeconomic ladder. You are all equal in the eyes of Christ. 
For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles... Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. I love the Apostle Paul's analogy here. There is significant diversity in unity. You see, as a church... As a body of Christ, we are united in mission, in loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. That's our mission. That is, we'll give our left arm for that. The church, that's what they do. That's what the church does. We are on mission together. But how we live out that mission is going to be different from one person to the next. You see, the problem that has arisen over the last number of years or decades is that we really haven't appreciated each other. A couple of months back, I was in Toronto listening to a pastor communicate, a pastor in Toronto communicate to us uh, credential holders with the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. And it was interesting. He, he was talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And, and he, he said, you can categorize, categorize all the gifts of the Spirit into one of three different categories. You got the love gifts, You've got the word gifts, and you have the power gifts. It's kind of like a three-legged stool, so to speak. The love gifts, the word gifts, and the power gifts. The problem is, is that over time what has happened is churches have kind of lent themselves towards one of those aspects at the expense of maybe the other two. So you have some churches who, who are all about the love gifts. They just want to love people, and so social justice and the community action are, are at the highest of importance for them. 
maybe at the expense of sound theology or, or recognizing the role that God plays in the power gifts. Others focus on the word gifts, and they, they want to know the deep truths of the word and, and really dig deep into scripture, and they care very little about the needs of others. And, you know, living out their faith, well, that's kind of optional. We just need to know. The rest can fend for themselves. And then there's, you know, that third style of church. And this is kind of traditionally where the Pentecostal church has kind of lent its or hung its hat over the years. Is that uh, they focus on the power gifts. It's all about the power. It's all about experiencing the Holy Spirit. And it's all about watching God do. And, and we experience and, and have this emotional Experience, but we've neglected maybe at times the word or loving other people. And so we need to learn to appreciate each other. And we must recognize that all the gifts need to be at work in the local church. Here at Calvary, we need to have all of the gifts at work. We need each other. And we need each other walking in the gift that God has given us. And we need to recognize and appreciate those who have different gifts but are still a part of the body of Christ. We need each other and we need to work together in the gifts that we are entrusted with towards that common mission. Now, no doubt, some gifts are going to make certain people more noticeable while others can often be overlooked. But that, I don't want you to know, or I want you to know that does not mean that certain gifts are more valuable than others. Like, there are the obvious gifts that, that the church is given. People who can lead worship, or, or people who can lead a life group, or, or pastors. You know, these, these gifts are the obvious ones. And people look at them, oh man, they're so important because they're up front and they get to control everything that happens on the platform and what's going on in a service. And, and we sometimes want to elevate those gifts and make them of more importance. But in reality, that's not the case. My role is no more important than your role in the body of Christ. People, do you understand how valuable some of the less obvious gifts are. Let's take, for instance, greeters. Many of you are greeters. On a, on a Sunday, you, you're there at the front lines. You, you open the door for, for people when they come in, or you welcome people into this place. Listen, we've all been to places and, and events and, and things where greeters at the door uh, show little concern or little care for you. Maybe they're grumpy. Or maybe they're just talking to their friends and they've, uh, they you know, don't even recognize that you're there. We've all had those experiences, and that can actually almost, you know, ruin the whole event right from the hop. But think of it this way. When you welcome someone to Calvary Church, maybe a single mom, and you go out of your way to open the door for a single mom who has one child in one arm and a baby carriage in the other, you open their heart to receiving from Jesus. You pave the way for them to hear the message. When you go out of your way to welcome someone new to Calvary and show a genuine interest in them, showing them maybe where to hang their coat or where to find the washroom, you open their heart to experience Jesus 
The message of hope we share from a platform may never reach someone's hearts if our first impressions are if our first impression is that we don't really care about you. First impressions are a big deal. Greeters, you make a world of difference in people's lives. The production team is another example. You know, our production teams are invaluable. More often than not, it's a thankless job. You find yourself behind the scenes, and the only time you're really noticed is when something goes wrong. (laughs) I actually kind of, I, I encourage my production team, listen, if nobody talks to you, that's a compliment. That means you've done a really good job today. I, I can't be up here. The, the team, worship team, can't be up here doing what we do without a production team. Could you imagine if all of a sudden you come in here and there's no lights on, there's no sound, and all I'm up here is trying to yell at the top of my lungs? We need our production team. Have you noticed how clean this place is? I'm going to say probably the vast majority of you haven't. But you would if it wasn't clean. And if it wasn't cared for on a daily basis. It's like the, the husband who, has, who thinks he has a magical coffee table. Have you seen this one? Where, where he, says, he says to his wife, it's amazing. Like I, every night I put dishes on the coffee table. And when I get up in the morning, they're all gone and they're clean. It's amazing. It's a magic coffee table. You know, and, and that's in some respects, that's the way we view coming in here on Sunday mornings. You know, like we left last Sunday and we come back and the place looks amazing. It must be a magical building. <laughs> Did you know that we have a couple in our church that come weekly and they spend not just an hour, they spend multiple, multiple hours each week going from room to room And all they've been doing is just simply washing walls. Yep. Those walls can get pretty dirty pretty quick. I'm blown away every time I see them come in. And they they just do it with a smile. It's amazing walking in and they're just, hey, pastor. (laughs) My arms are killing me, but I'm loving this. Oh, my word. Thank them. I thank them all the time. If I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times. People who get involved on the inside of what happens here at Calvary Church almost verbatim have the same expression. I never knew how much goes on here each week. I never knew how much work it takes to run this place. There are many others who are here throughout the week, whether they're cleaning or building or fixing or cutting or folding or answering phones and the list goes on, it is a mountain of work and a mountain of volunteers walking in their gifts, serving the local church. And that's just what happens here on campus. That's not to to say of all the many people who are in our congregation, who are serving in our community, whether it's in a formal or an informal way, using their gifts for the purpose of advancing the kingdom of God. You see, the emphasis in this 1 Corinthians 12 passage that we read is on mutual dependence and concern 
of the various members of the body. We support one another with our gifts. That we have mutual dependence and concern for each other. We need to respect each other and see the value that each other brings to the family of God. Paul concluded this chapter highlighting another list in, uh, in this. In verse 27, he says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. It's another list of of. Uh, of Gifts and, and some have asked, well, what does that list mean? Is that an, a list of importance? I don't, I don't think you need to look at it so much as a list of importance, more of a, of a list of order. Let me give you an example. When you build a house, you don't start putting all the electricity in the house before there's a foundation in place, before the walls are framed and put up. That's foolish. But you also don't wait to put the electricity in the house till after the drywall's put up, the, the rooms are painted, and the furniture's in place. There's an order that happens in, growth, in growing the church, and in many respects, that's what we see here in this. It's not so much a value or, or a hierarchy of gifts as much as an order that's given by Paul. Now, there may be certain aspects you absolutely must have in a church, and there could be some though that we could live without. Let's take, for instance, the drummer. <laughs> okay, here the drummer is already, I can, here's my gift of discernment. I can, I can just sense the drummer saying, pardon? Um, what do you mean you don't need the drummer? And, uh, and, and, and I can almost sense them saying, well, m- maybe we don't need you, pastor. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah. Regardless, Uh, even though we may not need certain aspects, they can enhance the church's effectiveness. And when we all do our part, it just makes the church move and work better. Regardless of whether the gifts are a must-have or a do-without, the reality is their level of importance in the church structure does not determine the level of importance or superiority in the eyes of God. Now, for the sake of time, we won't define each gift listed here, but no, each of us are given abilities, given gifts to be used by God for the purpose of edifying or advancing the church. So let's uh, let's quickly look at a couple of things here that I think if you are, because some of you may be sitting here going, okay, you're telling me I have gifts, but I have no idea what my gifts are. Well, let me give you some tips. There, There are things like spiritual gifts tests that you can use to kind of help define them. I'm not a huge, you know, pusher of the gifts test. They're available and we can help you with that, but sometimes those can be manipulative or, or you feel pigeonholed in those kind of things, and, uh, and I think they can be a little skewed. Here, here, so let me give you a couple other tips as to how you can maybe figure out what some of your gifts are. First of all, what do people tell you? You know, have you ever had someone come up to you and say, hey, you're really good at that? Or maybe they're, they ask you, they come up to you and say, hey, would you be able to help out in this area? Because I think you're good at that. Or maybe they don't even say that, they just ask you. And, and probably the reason they ask you is because they think you may be good at that. So what are some others telling you? What are they asking? What are they saying to you? 
That can be a key indicator as to what your gifts are. Because oftentimes we don't even see what our gifts are. We don't recognize what gifts we have and what we can bring to the table. So what are others telling you? What, second thing, what do you find yourself doing already? Almost as if it's like second nature for you. Now, it may not necessarily be obvious to you because it is so second nature. And you assume maybe everybody does this. This is, this is just what everybody does, isn't it? <laughs> not so much. Let's take, for instance, hospitality. Maybe you go out of your way. Maybe you're the type of person just to go out of your way to make sure that someone is accepted and cared for. Or maybe your gift is encouragement. And you, again, go out of your way to show appreciation to someone with a card or an email or a phone call, even when what they did didn't benefit you at all. Or maybe your, your gift is giving. And you find creative ways to go without so that you have more to give to others that you see are less fortunate than you are. Does everybody do that? No. <laughs> there are some people who've never given a compliment to anybody. Now, should they? Well, maybe, to a certain extent. But just like the body is made up of many parts, so is the church. A few weeks ago, let me give you an example. A few weeks ago, Brian, our director of resources, he went to a church law conference up in Ottawa for the day. And, um, and I went to one of these conferences about five years ago. And uh, I sat through this thing just trying to stay awake the whole day. Oh, it was boring. And, uh, and so anyway, so Brian says, hey, can I take in this conference for the day? I think it would be beneficial. I went, yeah, for sure. And he comes back and he's like all giddy. And he's got notes and everything else. And, I, and it made me giddy because I'm like, you're the right guy for that role. <laughs> That's his gift. It's not mine, but it's his. So what are some of the things that just come naturally to you? Some, some things that are second nature. Third thing, what are the needs around you? What are the obvious needs around you? And what could you bring to the table that would help that need? So our youth pastor, John Mark, and his wife, Natalie, they just bought their very first home. And so it was a little bit of a fixer-upper. And so uh, they've been working pretty hard on it for the last three weeks. And, and I just thought, well, I'll give you a hand. I, I don't know a lot about construction. I, you know, I've been around construction sites a little bit, but I don't do it on a regular basis, so I don't know a lot. But what do I have? Well, I can swing a hammer. I can screw in you know, drywall. I can do a little painting. I could, best part, I could demo. <laughs> and uh, and so, so I was just, I offered my services. I, I, there's the need. I'm, what do I have to offer to the table? I can be a grunt man. Just tell me what you need done and I'll do it to the best of my ability. What's the needs around you? And what can you bring to the table that may help in that need? It may speak towards your gifts and what your gifts are. Fourth thing, what are you passionate about? Now, this is a tricky one, but it can help you. What are, what, what are you passionate about? Now, you need to note, Paul actually encourages the church in 1 Corinthians to, uh, to actually pursue whatever gift they wanted. But he also made it clear, it's not your decision if God gives you that gift or not. 
You see, some people desire to be good at leading or playing an instrument or being a professional athlete, but just because I am passionate about hockey does not mean I'm making it to the NHL and playing for the best team in the whole entire world, the Montreal Canadiens. <clears throat> On the flip side, some of you haven't even tapped into some of your gifts yet. You may be really passionate about something, but for whatever reason, you haven't pursued the gift. And maybe it's time to stretch yourself and try something new. Maybe it's time for you to take that leap. Four areas that, that maybe can help you figure out what your gifts are. But once you know what your gifts are, how do you then handle your gifts? How can you, how can you work towards you know, using your gifts appropriately? What are some of the things that you need to pay attention to? So here, let me give you a couple. Steward, first of all, stewarding your gifts means that we need to steward them, first of all. And, and that means using them in their proper means. Oftentimes, maybe because of compassion or empathy for others, we can overextend our gifts. Let me give you an example. Somebody who, uh, who has the gift of giving, and, uh, and they just always want to try and give and, and meet that need. And so they, they may overextend themselves and, and say, well, I'm just going to take out a loan so that I can meet that need. Whoa, wait a minute here. Um, to live within our means does not say we need to take a loan out so that we can meet somebody else's need. You've got to be cautious of that. That's overextending yourself. Give you an, uh, let me give you another example, service. And we see this, in, in, and I have to apologize, because in the church world, the church uh, pastors have, have traditionally abused people uh, with this gift, the gift of service. You know, someone who says, hey, I'm always willing to, to help out. I'll, I'll help you out, pastor. I see a need. I just want to serve. I just want to serve. just want to serve. And as a pastor, we go, thank you. Because <laughs> I need somebody to serve. And it, we always go back to the same person. And, oh, I know so-and-so will say yes. And so we call them again. And then we call them again. And, and if we're not careful, we can overextend ourselves. And we can, at the expense of maybe our family or at the expense of, of everything else around us, we just serve, 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 serve. And we don't practice self-care. The problem with that is, is that when we do that for an extended period of time, there's burnout. And then animosity rises, whether it be towards the church that you're presently in. And we've had this here at Calvary. Unfortunately, we've done this. People have left the church because we've over-asked. At the same time, some of you are here today because you left a church that did that to you. And you just overextended your service and burnt you out. The sad thing is, is that some people have that happen and they just walk away from God entirely. So we need to properly steward our gifts. We need to live within our means, not underusing our gifts, but not overusing them either. Now, and that will change, and that all comes with seasons of life. So whether it be family dynamics, whether it be work uh, dynamics, whether it be your health, that will all dictate as to how much you can and you cannot serve. What you allow yourself to serve at the church or in, for the kingdom's purpose today may not be what you can do five years from now. Maybe you can do more or maybe you have to do less. All depending on the situation you find yourself in. So steward, steward the gifts that God 
has given you appropriately. Second thing, avoid comparing your gifts with others. You need to be faithful in the gifts that God has given you. Like I stated earlier, in the eyes of God, my gifts are of no more significance than your gifts. What's perfect for each of us is to live in the manner he sets out for us to live, not the life of someone else. You simply have to be faithful in the gifts that you are given. Third thing, use your gifts to extend love to those around you. Your, your passion for a gift cannot sometimes supersede loving someone else. Paul goes on in, in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians saying you could have all the gifts available to God, but if you don't have love, they are worthless. And he defines love as this, being patient and kind, doesn't envy or boast, it's not proud or rude or self-seeking or easily angered, it keeps no record of wrong, it, uh, it de doesn't delight in evil but always rejoices with the truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, that's love. And we need to walk in our gifts in that kind of love for one another. You could be the most gifted person in the world, but if you don't truly love and serve others with your gifts, your life is like rotten tomatoes in the nostril of God. Use your gifts to extend love to those around you. And the last thing, number four, God wants to partner with you to do extraordinary things for his kingdom. He wants to partner with you to do extraordinary things for his kingdom. You don't do this alone. You do this in partnership with God. Now, that may not necessarily look like Billy Graham with thousands flocking to the altar on a nightly basis. You know what it could mean? It may actually be providing a meal for someone who then goes to a church service, hears about Jesus, accepts him, and becomes the parent of the next Billy Graham. You providing that meal, is it worth it? Yep. Yep. God wants to partner with you. You see, it's not your job to worry about the results. That's God's job. Our role is simply to wait, to pray, and be filled with his spirit that we may hear his voice and obey his promptings and watch as he empowers our efforts to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever imagine. People, God has moved in his church in the past, and I pray he's going to do it again. And he wants to use you to fulfill the mission. Are we in this together? Are we willing to say, yes, Holy Spirit, empower me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for those who are here today. God, the gifts of your church are represented in each and every one of us. As part of the body of Christ, we stand here today, sit here today, recognizing, Lord, that you have given us abilities, and they're all different. Teach us, Lord, to understand what our gifts are, 
And help us, Lord, to exercise those gifts according to how you want us to. And Lord, may we do our part, but may you also do your part. And may you empower our efforts. Lord, that our words and our actions would carry more weight to those around us. That they would see you at work. Come to know you and be edified. So Jesus, be with us. Speak to us. Renew in us afresh, Lord, your spirit. Do it again in us, Lord. You've done it so many times in the past, in other generations and in other lives, and maybe even in our own life in the past. But God, today we ask you to do it again. Fill us by your spirit for your purpose. We ask you to do this in Jesus' name. Amen.